Kitov. Um, today is, we are Daf Nun Gimel. It is the, what day? The 10th day in the Omer? The 9th day? 10th. Good to know somebody's counting. Okay, I can't remember from the night before. 10th day in the Omer. We pick up with some Mishnah, which is when we get the day. We pick up on a Mishnah on Nunbet Amudbet, and this is going to be a uh, really uh, fun Mishnah, so let's, uh, let's get started. Hamakadesh Pechelko, Ben Kachim Kachim Ben Kachim Kalim. Somebody marries a woman, now we're talking about the objects used to do Kiddushin, and whether they're considered to have a Shavapruta, or not just a Shavapruta in the simple sense of the market value, but questions about the nature of their of ownership, and, you know, their halachic, the halachic status of the objects. So a Kohen marries a woman, well, it could be a Yisrael, we'll see in a minute, but somebody marries a woman, whether with his portion in the Kachim Kachim, so this would be talking specifically about a Kohen, a Kohen eats from the chatas, uh, right, the sin offering, which is, um, or expiation offering, which could, oh, if the meat of it is eaten by the Kohen, only by the Kohen, um, and only in the, in the immediate, only male Kohanim, and only in the Azara, the immediate sort of temp, uh, temple precincts, right, so just to remind everybody, uh, so much better if you draw a picture of the Azara than about brother-in-laws. Okay, so anyway, okay, <laughs> all right, We'll talk about it anyway. Okay. What? I would think it'd be Meila. Be Meila. He's using it for some, you know. Transactional purpose. Anyway. Okay. Um. All right. Anyway, here's this. Here's the little bit there. Okay. Fine. Anyway, that's the. This is. This is right. This is the Kodesh Kadashim, right? This is the Kodesh or the Heichel. Okay. Anyway, actually, then you had an Ulam here. All right. Then you had the Mizbeach. Okay. And then you had here, this was Ezrat Yisrael. This is called Ezrat Kohanim. Or just this whole thing is just all this whole thing is the Azara. Okay, and then, maybe I draw, drew this too big. Mm-hmm. I probably did draw this too big. Sorry about that. Let's start again. Ulam. Eichel. Okay. So then you have... This is the Azara. Okay, and that's Ezrat Yisrael. And then you have here the Ezrat Nashim. You'll see why that's all very relevant in a minute. Anyway, okay, so the Kachli uh, Kachim can only be eaten, the Chatos can only be eaten by male Kohanim and only in the Azara. Okay, that area I need on the call. But this area here is the Azara. Okay. In the Azara, for that purpose. Like, were there picnic tables? Yeah, I don't know. There was, uh, <laughs> well, they're not allowed to sit, so they had to eat it standing. They had to eat standing. Right, basically, yes. Okay, anyway, so that, so... Okay, Chavosh. So, somebody, a male Kohen, who has a portion in the Chatos, goes ahead to a woman and says, I'm marrying you with this steak of the Chatos. That's his portion of the Kachim Kachim. Kachim Kalim can be a Kohen or Yisrael, a male or a female. It's the meat of a Shlomim. It can be eaten in all Yerushalayim. So somebody brings a Shlomim, is bringing this meat home, barbecue for somewhere in his house there in, uh, in the... Uh, in the uh, Jewish quarter, and he and he goes to a woman and he says, "I'm marrying you with this hamburger." Okay, <laughs> she's not married. 
Alright, because we will see, even though he has the right to eat that meat, the short version is, the language of the Gemara is, Mishuchan Gavoa Kazachu. He's eating off of God's table. It's not his meat. He's e- he has a right to be eating God's meat. The meat that came from the Mizbeach. Not literally from the Mizbeach, but figuratively. Okay? So he can't marry a woman with that meat. The Master Shani, now let's say it's Master Shani, which you have to bring up in, in Rushalayim. Bain Shogi Bain Mezid, whether it was knowingly or unwittingly or unwittingly, whether he knew it was Master Shani money or she knew it was or not, or Master Shani fruit, Lokidash, he had, did not marry her. Yisrael, right? A Yisrael, right? And we're back, and right. The same thing, the, the beginning could also be Yisrael was Kachim Kalim. Okay, he marries a woman with Master Shani fruit, whether knowingly or unknowingly that, that that's the fruit, it's not a good Kiddushin. Divrei Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Yudomer, Beshogeg Lo Kiddash, Bemezid Kiddash. If it was unintentional, it did not work. Intentional, it did. We'll see about all of that in the Gemara. Yeah, we'll see about that in the Gemara. Behektesh, now let's say it was hektish money, okay? He had sanctified, um, you know, his uh, his TV for donating it to the Beis HaMikdash, okay? And he had forgotten about that. And then he married the woman with the TV. Okay, so it was some object that belonged to hektish. Bemezid Kiddash, if it was knowing, if he remembered that it was Hektesh, it works. It was unintentional, it did not. Give Rebbe Mayor. So that actually, you know, it's interesting again. We have here the reverse possibility of whether of Shoge Gumezid. Um, um, because remember, Rebbe Yehuda by the Master Shani said that Mezid worked better. And here, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, so I'm sorry, wait, wait, it's the same thing. Yeah. Rebbe Yehuda said by the Master Shani um, that, that, wait, wait, Rebbe Yehuda said by the Master Shani that Mezid worked better. Hektesh, um, it's, it's also the same point, but this time according to Rebbe Mayer. Mezid works, Shogeg does not work. Rebbe Yehuda Omer, but Shogeg Kiddash, Mezid, Lokidash, the exact mirror image. Shogeg works, Mezid does not. So, a lot of things we're going to have to unpack there about Shogeg and Mezid by Master Shani and by Hektesh, but we're going to start by the Kutshe Kutshem and Kutshem Kalim. Yes. Um, they're talking about Meister Shaney. What about Meister Kessler? I know you. That's always your pet thing, but that, that's not what we're talking about right now. Yes. <laughs> There's a change in the language from Mukudesha to Kiddish. Well, because we're not talking about the woman here. Where's the racist thing? Oh, right, I see. Hamikadesh. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, a good, it's an interesting. That's a good question. I don't know why. Okay. So, let's hear Mishra is not like Rebiosi Aglili. This issue that Kajim Kalim is not considered the owned by the person who has the right to eat it, the person who brought the korban, and he can't marry a woman. Let's say it's not like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. The time we talk in the Brisa, Umalam Ma'al Bahashem. Okay, this is actually not talking what you would think about Ela by Kachem, but it's talking about somebody who swears falsely um, that he does not own, have, have in his possession something that belongs to his neighbor. Somebody says, I gave you this for safekeeping. He says, no, you didn't. He says, swear to me. He swears. He's lying. That is a trespass against God because he's using God's name to perpetrate a sin and to take possession and to hold on to something that is his, and he has to bring a korban. Okay, that's the context here. Not me'ila, but a trespass against God using God's name to swear falsely about something that should be in his possession. But because he uses the word Bahashem, Rabbi Yosef Aglili teaches the following thing. That basically, if Michael goes ahead and gives me his shlamim and says, Dove, here, hold on to my sheep here. I'm going to go bring it as a shlamim next week. I need you to watch it for me while 
while I go on a vacation, you know, feed it, take care of it, okay? Then he comes back from his vacation and he says, where's my slumming sheep? I got to now bring it to the base of Niktosh. I've already sanctified it. I say, yeah, what, what, what are you talking about? What sheep? So he says, swear to me. And I swear to him, am I chayev now for having taken an oath to use it to steal his money, or do we say that wasn't your money? That was a korban. I mean, not like that. Well, what I did was acceptable, but that's not this parsha of swearing as a way of taking your money because it wasn't yours to begin. It wasn't yours once it was a korban. So Yosia said, and I believe he says, because it uses the word Bahashem, we're talking even about sanctified objects. Now he doesn't say all sanctified objects. He says we'll identify it as kachim kalim. Kachim kalim of all sanctified objects is the one that most belongs to the owner. If Michael had sanctified his car as a donation to the base of Mikdash, he has no rights left to the car. He just delivers it to the base of Mikdash. They come pick it up. Cars for Hektesh. Okay, so they come pick it up. He's gone. So he no longer owns it. It's owned by the base of Mikdash. If he sanctified his sheep as an Ola, as a Kachim Kachim, or as a Chatos, he's not going to get anything out of it. It's all going to go on the Mizbech or the Kohanim are going to eat it. So that's not his. But if it's Kachim Kalim, he's going to be able to eat the meat in all of Yerushalayim. Him. So maybe it's still his animal. His animal that he's going to bring as a korban, but it's still his. So that's what Rabbi Yossi Aglili says. This puzzle tells me that there's some hectage that's still considered yours. And that's Kachim Kalim. And this is in general Rabbi Yossi Aglili's position that Kachim Kalim Mamad Bailim Hang is considered to be, still belong to the owner. If I damage the, ma- the animal, do I have to pay you? If it's your, if it's your sheep that you sanctified as a shlumim? Rabbi Yossi Aglili would say yes. Okay, so according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, I should be able to marry a woman with the stakes from my kachim kalim because it's mine, right? So it makes a lot of sense. Why didn't the Gemara say lema'et kachim kalim? Why l'ravot kachim Even kachim kalim are included in the is, in the korban I bring for swearing falsely as a way of stealing your money. That even ah, that even kachim ah, kalim the uh, korban that's being brought for the lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So the point here is when I steal your money with a false oath, stealing your money included in stealing your money is stealing your kachim kalim. Okay? Dima Reb Yosef Aglili. Shein Mamono. So our mission seems to be not Reb Yosef Aglili. So the man says, no. Afilu Dima Reb Yosef Aglili. It could even be Reb Yosef Aglili. Ki kama Reb Yosef Aglili mechayim. When does Reb Yosef Aglili say that this uh, shlumming sheep is yours and if I swear, use an oath to steal it, essentially, I have to, uh, you know, I'm chayim. That's when it's still alive. Avala'achar shechita lo. Once it's been shechted, then it's no longer yours which is interesting you think Adaraba now that it's shechted now I'm eating the meat now it's all the more so mine I'm benefiting from it but the Gemara says my time or why and this is going to be the basis of the whole Mishnah and here even according to Yosef once it's been brought as a korban you are now eating it off of God's everybody, table the everybody the even the Bailim even Kachim Kalim even Kachim Kalim according to Yosef the innards get put the dam gets put on the altar the innards get burnt up and now God God is giving you a portion. It's the Rebbe's tish. It's God's tish. You're getting a portion off of that table. You're not eating your meat. You're eating the meat that's coming from the Mizdeah. Okay, which is interesting, which then raises the question, then why is it considered mine before I brought it as a korban? But, you know... The, it's not eating off of God's table. I know, but what, I, what, what right do I have with it? What ownership do I have with it before it's being brought? Okay, what? 
something? No, it's a, anyway, it's a little bit, a bit of a question because eventually I'm going to get to keep a piece of it that makes it. I don't know, it's a little bit funny because you would think that your control and benefit and rights to it is even less before it's been brought. But nevertheless, that's what we're saying. For Ibyosia Glili, it's considered your animal before it's been brought. Once it's been brought, then you've given it to God. That's when you actually have given it to God, and now you're getting something back from God. And therefore, it's not yours once it's meat. Okay? The Mishnah seems, you know, it can be a clear, uh, a precise reading of the Mishnah that shows you that because it says your portion, meaning it's not the whole animal, it's the piece of the animal you get. So we're talking about after it's been offered on the Mizbeah. So, Lokidash, Kamashmo, So that is a good proof. You see that we are talking about, um, you see we're talking about after the animal's been offered, not, ta- not, bring, not giving the whole animal. So, if I took this sheep, which was Kashim Kalim, and was still a live sheep, and I gave it to a woman and said, maybe it would work. Although I don't exactly understand how, because what good does it do for her? But anyway, but, uh, but once it's my portion in it, it's been offered, given to God, and I'm not just getting my portion off of the Nisbeach, I'm getting my meat. The rest, has been, the rest has been God's portion. That's not mine anymore. That I'm eating from God's altar, from God's table, and I can't, and it's not my money, and I can't marry a woman with it. Yeah. Well, it's Lokidesh. Is it Kidesh or Kidesh? No, I recently said this way when I quoted the Mishnah yeah. Lokidesh. Right. Oh, that's a good point. It's oh, that's a good point. Michael just makes a good point. This quote of the Mishnah has Lokidesh, not Enam Kudesh. You have to check the different gear house. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but if it's a Shwamim, she could then take that Shwamim sheep to the Beha Mixish and enjoy it herself. Yeah, it's an interesting question about being Makri a Shwamim that somebody else was, was Makdish in their name and how that exactly works. So, anyway. All right, let's take a look. Now we get an interesting story, okay? Tanu Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. Okay, but that's the basic principle, the first part of the Mishnah about using the chelak in the korbanot, which is that even if it's the, Rabbi Yossi who says you have the most sense of ownership, once it's the meat you're getting after it's been offered, you've given it to God, it's no longer but yours. Am I going to sin by trying to do this? Like, you know, uh, yes, but that's not, yeah, but we're not going to. Tanu Rabbanan, Now remember, uh, the Mishnah was taught, uh, was taught stam, about Kachim about Kachim 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 Kalim. Now we're going to see in Stam Mishnah's Rebbe Mayor. Now we're going to see it actually was not always agreed upon. After Rebbe Meir died, Rebbe Yudah said to his students, Don't let Rebbe Meir's students come into our base medrash. Because they're troublemakers. They're not sincerely coming to learn Torah. They're coming to They're coming to show off how smart they are. They want to, like, you know, challenge me with their knowledge and so on. And, you know, it's all like a mind game for them. They're not sincerely coming to learn. So don't let them come in. They're destructive. They're troublemakers. Okay. Tachak Sumchis, so Sumchis, one of Rabbi Meir's Tamidim Hakim, forced his way in, Vinichnos, and entered the base Mandrish. Amalam, and then he got up and he said, Kachshanali Rabbi Meir, here's what Rabbi Meir taught me. Hamikadis Pachelko, Ben Kachi Kachim, Ben Kachim Kalim, oh, here again, Loki Days. So exactly, not Ain Mikudeshes, once again. So if somebody marries a woman with his portion in Kachi Kachim, Kachim Kalim, it does not work. Okay, so that seemed like, okay, reasonable thing to be talking about. Kos Rabbi Yudalem, Rabbi Yudalem got angry on his students. Didn't I tell you this? Don't let his students in here. They're only trying to show, you know, to, 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 to show me, to show off, to, you know, to challenge me. 
The whole thing is such an absurd case because how would a woman ever be in the Azara? Okay, now, why? Because Kachim Kachim can't be out of the Azara. Kachim Kalim can be on Yerushalayim. But remember, here's my Ezra Snoshim, that's why I drew this, to show you the presumption that women are always out of the Azara. The Azara starts with Ezra Yisrael, and the Kachim Kachim can't go out of the Azara. So he says, look, this is all mind game. This is not like they really want to know Allah. Yeah, Michael, you can appreciate this. We're not interested in discussing theoretical issues. It's absurd, right? The children are not really sincerely coming to understand because there's no Halach about this. A woman would never get be in the Azara to eat the, that she could receive the Kachim Kachim. So this is all just them, like, 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 you know, just doing it to prove how smart they are. It's not because they really want to know the Halach Lamasa, because this isn't Halach Okay, but he wanted to know why you're teaching Kachim Kachim, which is interesting because, you know, really, like, he assumes that every discussion in the Gemara has to have, has to be like Lamasa. He can't deal with a hypothetical, but maybe it wasn't just hypothetical. It was impossible. So why are we talking about what? Ah, so let's see what the answer is. Uh, so I'm a Reb Yossi. All right, I'm sure you all have good answers. Let's see what Gemara says. I'm a Reb Yossi. Reb Yossi said, Yomru Meir Shacha, people will say Meir died. Yehuda got angry at Rev Meir's students, which was actually in the front to Rev Meir's whole approach to learning. It wasn't about Sumchis. It was about Rev Meir and his students, right, and his whole approach. So Yossi Shatak, and I'm going to be, and if I'm silent, what's going to be with the honor of Torah? Right? We're going to let the, you know, and I'm going to be complicit in this defaming of Rebbe Mayer and his whole approach. So, well, not just an answer. If I tolerate this, yeah, the sense of this challenge that Rebbe Mayer's whole, his students and his approach and so on. So now I'm going to respond, defend Rebbe Mayer. Number one, he ain't on a master, the Kabbalah Kiddushin, the beat Maybe he's guys marrying, marrying off his daughter. His underage daughter. So that's how you don't need a woman in the Azara. A man is there marrying off his underage daughter. Number one. Number two. Since when can a woman not make a man to be her shaliach? And she can represent her. And, and he can, I know. All right. And number three. The ode. And let's say she forced her way in, then what would be the halacha? So obviously playing off on the beginning where he forced his way into the base of Edrish. Okay, so obviously it's worth discussing. It's not that it's impossible for this to take place. Now, it's a very nice little story. It's a lot of fun. Interestingly, this it becomes relevant for discussions about mechitza. Why? Because for some people, the idea of a mechitza in shul is based on the idea in the base Hamikdash that you would have an Ezra Snow separate from the Ezra Israel, And this Gemara seems to indicate that, that a woman had no place being in the Azara. So that the Azara was completely male space. Which obviously raises, you know, is like, I think at a certain like theological level, challenging. It means like, really? Like the basic Azara, the Mesa Mikdash, where women were not allowed there? The basic place of worship was only a, was a, exclusively a male place? It sounds like that. Isha Be'azara Minayin. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says five li- right, like five lines before the lines Get wide. The Chiyish of the Azara Minayin. Rashi says, "Diktani kachik kachim varehin ain yotzim chutz lazara filu lezras nashim hini salim biyotze." The nashim ain chnasas la. Women can't go into the Azara. Kidet nam ba'avos hatum repair kamtas kelim. Like it teaches in the first parak of Kelim. You look at Tosfos. Tosfos says, "Pirish pekuntres the ain yishen chnasas bazara kidet nam repair kamtas kelim." The low back. Rashi was not being careful. The lo ashkan b'shum duchta the nashim maserusli kanis bazara. Nowhere does it say that a woman cannot enter the Azara? And then he discusses the Mishnayat that Rashi was referring to, and he says, the Mishnayat clearly are not excluding women. And then if you skip, the, 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 skip to the bottom third of Tosos, right, right by the parentheses, he says, 
that a woman could be a shochet for, for kachim. How can you shech the kachim without being in the azara? So maybe you have a long knife or something. Anyway, women have to go when they're bringing their korbanot and they can't send a representative. They have to do the tenufa. What's a woman doing in the azara to get married? You know, I mean, they talk about renting a nice hall for the wedding, but still, okay. So, Harei Ein Regimus Shetikanis Pesham Kedei Lihiskadesh Sherei Bizayanu Milsus Lo Shrichadi Now, of course, it's not just that it's absurd to do a Kiddushin in the Azar altogether, because presumably that question was answered when you said that her father was doing it for her or a man was doing it for her. But somehow it's the combination of the two. Still, fundamentally, there is an Ezra Shnoshim, right? So still, that even according to, you know, yes, Tosus is right, and all the Rishon and Post can agree that women do go into the Azara when they're bringing Korbanot and so on. But there still is this presumption that there needs to be, like it can't be for a trivial purpose. You know, so the combination of the fact that it's a woman and for this purpose of getting married, which is not an appro- normally an appropriate thing to be doing in the Azara, that's the question. Why would we be talking about such an absurd case? So somehow, just getting married, that would be okay. Just a woman in the Azara, that would be okay. But a woman to be in the Azara for the purpose of getting married, the combination of that too. Anyway, it is very relevant for this discussion of using this as a model for uh, what do you call it for um, for mechitza do we actually conceptualize that the that the basic makom avoda makom amikdash worship space was exclusively male right that women were not allowed there I mean I guess here the alternative is predominantly male but still there's a difference between that and exclusively male for example of Moshe Feinstein that was the question about uh, about a woman um, entering when there's not a show that basically women don't go to at all and there's no mechitza um, you know because it's all men and a woman comes you know to uh, can a woman come you know to ad hoc to say Kaddish and stand in the back so Rav Moshe basically says yes and he says that that's what uh, that in, in Lita he says that they would uh, that you know when a woman would come in either like uh, to collect either either to collect tzedakah or to say Kaddish and there wouldn't be a mechitza she would just stand in the back and that would be okay so first of all it's interesting because in passing I don't think the question was about Kaddish, but I forget what the question was about, but in passing, he mentioned that in Lita, women would say, come to the show and say Kaddish. Um, but besides which, it's like, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's fundamentally, it's, it's, it's not a mixed space. If fundamentally, it's a, it's a male space, then it doesn't mean that a woman can't enter in, like in an ad hoc type of a basis. Now, he didn't want to have her sitting in the middle of all the men, you know, sitting like a, a, apart from the men. But anyway, it is interesting thinking about this as a model. And even within Tosis's approach, there's a discussion how much is it like, you know, is it that women need a justifiable reason to enter into the Azara, meaning like they need to be bringing a korban, and if they're not bringing a korban, they can't enter in at all. Let's say they just want to come in to see the kohanim. Their, their husband's bringing a korban. I don't know, their friends bring whatever. They, you know, do they need to have only when they're bringing a korban? Or is it only when it's like completely trivial and inappropriate, like the Kiddushan, they shouldn't be coming in? You know, what type of justification is needed? But anyway, very, you know, interesting, and I think in certain levels, theologically, Challenging around this so issue. Yes. Is not included as part of the other. So it is included. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then, because if a woman is just in that opinion, then 
right? Yeah, yeah, but but then they, but if you remember that case says have Yanu Ezra's Nashim for some Khorlaha that we had a carbon that we brought to the Ezra's Nashim and we had the women do smikh in the Ezra's Nashim. Yes, Charlie. Nobody's mentioned that according to Mesectomitos, which maybe it wasn't studied then anywhere there is today, there was actually a separate women's entrance to the Azar. Um so if women were never um, this, I think it was on the north side. No, uh, no, the Ezra, she's not, not the, this Azara. You sure? Yes, you don't show, you're sure you're not talking about the whole? No, no there was a win. It's in the sectometer. Alright, you'll show me. Okay. I'm not, I'm not remembering that either. Okay, anyway. Um, no, I think, or maybe it was for Yoldot that they brought their Korban and they'd have a particular exit after they brought their Korban. You might be right. I, I think it was for them to bring their Korban. You might be right, but yes, yes. But that's for Yoledes who was bringing her Korban, if I remember correctly. Okay. One last point and then we'll move on. Um, which is about a woman making a shaliyah so you can make sure there's all men there. It just reminded me, I, was, I think I might have told you this before. Anyway, I was once at this wedding with, um, which is a very, very firm wedding. I don't know if you've been to weddings like this where like, you know, the entrances, like the car, even the car, like the car tables are separate for the men yeah. and the women. The entrances yeah. are separate. Like, you know, you, you never see each other. Inside. Anyway, I was there. I was so, so I was there with like a couple of people that have a sense of humor. So one of them was David Schatz and when we were sort of there at the Schmorg, he was saying to me, you know, this wedding is so firm, I don't know if I'm allowed to have mixed feelings. <laughs> and then when it came time for the chuppah so the chuppah it was like everybody who walked down the aisle was except for the kala right was a man like you know this like big hat you know and you know the whole get up right the, you know the black suit or whatever so there was this like poor little kala amongst like these 20 guys you know in their black hats and black suits so somebody else sitting next to me said you know they're not really being firm enough if they really wanted to be firm from. She would just have made her brother her shaliach, and we would have had all men up there. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So there you go. So she can make a shaliach. All right, moving on. So the verse says like this. Um, okay, Tanya, we're trying to brace the bottom of the bed. Um, Reb Yudah Omer, Mikudeshes. Reb Omer ain't a Mikudeshes. So Reb Yudah was not only upset. Like first he was upset about the whole discussion, but if he's going to enter into the discussion, we still have the same Reb Yudah and Reb Yosi positions. And Rabbi Huda argues on Rabbi Mayer. You know, he's consistent fighting against this position of Rabbi Meir. A, we're discussing it. B, you're wrong. He is Mekudeshet. Rabbi Yossi siding with Rabbi Meir ain't a Mekudeshet. I'm Rabbi Yochanan Shneem They're both learning from one Pasuk. This shall be your portion, the Kohanim, from the Holy of Holies, and it's the meat of the Chathos. Rabbi Yudas this is yours. You can use it for whatever you want. Obviously, only a Kohen, male Kohen, can eat it in the Azara, but if you are able to find some of the use for it once you get it, and eventually it's going to be eaten, you know, you can uh, sell it to your fellow male Kohen, you can use it to marry a woman. Whatever latitude you have within only male Kohen eating it in the Azara, you can make use of it. No, it's like the fire. It's interesting. I would say fire you don't have any control over, but it says, you know, fire is there to consume. This also is to be consumed. And it's, you don't really have any ownership over it. It's just to be consumed. Shulchan Gavaua. I'm Rabbi Yochan. Rabbi Yochan said, Top of Nun Gimel Amidalef. 
Nimlu v'gamru, they we took a vote. They took a vote, and they came to the conclusion. That if somebody marries a woman, whether it's kachim kachim, and even kachim kalim, she's not married. Even kachim kachim kalim, and certainly kachim kachim, it's all misuchan gavoa off of God's table, not yours. You can't marry a woman with it. Rav Amar Adayni Machlokas. Rav said they never took a vote. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda kept his position, and they're still debating the issue. There's still a position that it doesn't work. Okay. Well, I know troublemaker. Amar different than the Mishnah because the Mishnah says it depends on whether Shoei Gomezi. No, no, no. No, not by the Korbanos. That was by that was by Meister Shani and by normal by by by, by hectares like like I think of like m- money of hectares, not a korban. Okay, that that was a misuse. The end of the Mishnah. No, but Kaddish Bechelko, it doesn't matter. Shogeg Gomez. No, no, no. What are you talking about? You're talking about the end. The first, the fourth line of the Mishnah. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that's Meister Shani. Rav Amar Dayni Machlokas. Amar Baye. Okay, so he says Rabbi Yehuda still held his position that it works. Amar Baye. Kivazid Rabbi Yochanan Misavar. It makes sense like Rabbi Yochanan that Rabbi Yehuda reversed himself, and Rabbi Yehuda agreed that it doesn't work. To Tanya, we turn to Brisa, and this is going to be a just to tell you where we're going with this. A passage from the Sifra from Torah's Kohanim on you know the the, the Tanaitic commentary on Vayikra, and the author of the Sifra or the editor slash author is considered is assumed to be Rabbi Yehuda. So we're going to quote a Brisa that's going to assume to be under the authorship of Rabbi Yehuda to prove that Rabbi Yehuda in the end agreed to Rabbi Meir that it was not the money of the Kohen. Wait, you okay. To, you just refer to Pistolot in, in, in Midrash Halacha as Brisa? Yes. When the Gemara quotes a Midrash Halacha it says Ditanya. Anything that's not a Mishnah. So Sefta, Brisa, Midrash Halacha, Ditanya. Okay. We turn to Brisa. How do you know when it comes time at the end of the day, yet all these Kohanot brought, okay, and we're dividing them up amongst the Kohanim, okay, so how do you know that, and now Amincha is also Kache Kachim, okay, so how do you know that, you know, you're dividing them up among the Kohanim, you can say, look, you know what, I'm a vegetarian, just give me the Mincha, you can have my part of the, of the Korbanot, or you can get my steaks, okay, I'm saying, great, I want to, <laughs> I'll take the steaks, you take my Mincha, how do you know you're not allowed to do that, okay, Tamud Lomar, the Mincha Every mincha should be equally to all b'nei Aaron, which means that you have to divide up each korban equally, and you don't get to sort of say, "I'll swap you this for this." Okay, no. Everybody gets an equal portion of mincha. Presumably, even after you get your portion, you can't so go afterwards and swap it, which is going to be the proof that it's not your money. You get, you're given your portion, you have to eat it. You can't trade it for somebody else's portion in something else. Okay. Now, maybe you can't, you know, to trade off mincha for zvachim. Because a mincha, when somebody is poor, and you know, certain korbanot are sliding scale, a mincha is never a substitute for a for like a, a sheep or a cow. Okay, a mincha would only be a substitute on the sliding scale korban for a bird. Okay, but maybe if we're dividing bird sacrifices and minchas, we can swap them. You know, you can have more birds, I'll take more of the minchas. Because they're somewhat seen as a substitute for one another. Because if somebody is very is poor, they bring a bird, and if they're super poor, they bring a mincha. So you have all these psukim by the menachot that say. This mincha goes to Abne Aaron. This mincha goes to Abne Aaron. This mincha goes to Abne Aaron. Like, just tell me once. 
So the fact that it keeps on telling you again and again and again, this, the Midrash Halacha learns, teaches you that you don't divide anything. Okay? Not just minchas you don't divide. You know, you don't divide minchas against anything else. You don't divide other korbanot. Nothing gets swapped. Okay? That's how we're going to learn it. So the extra plus it tells me you don't even swap a mincha for a bird. Okay? Maybe you don't swap a mincha for the bird sacrifices. You know, you don't sort of trade them off in the division. This, is, this has blood. It's an animal, and this is flour. Maybe swap, you know, the, 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 the birds for the, like, the sheep. Rashi says the reason he uses the word zvachim by the, uh, by, like, the sheep and the cows is because they are slaughtered, okay? Whereas the ofot, you use the malika. Okay, so anyway, it's both two types of blood and meat. So, so I can swap you. I keep the birds. You keep the meat. I'm trying to keep off red meat. Talmud Lamar al Machavat. No, again, a pasuk by the fire pan offering that that has to be divided equally. So that teaches you. So it's not about mincha, but it's an extra pasuk. So all these extra pasukim that say divide equally tell me that you don't do any swapping. Okay, every single one tells me you don't do this type of swapping and that type of swapping. Maybe you don't do the birds opposite the zvachim because in one you use a vessel meaning a knife and the other you use your hand the fingernail ah maybe like you I, I'm trying to keep a fried food so you get the fried mincha and I'll get the baked mincha okay maybe at least that we could do okay um, and they both you know use yad and they're both kemach and they're both very similar categories another pasuk that you divide equally so maybe you don't do you know different types of minachos one against the other you know so the marcheshet is one where it's like a deep pan, like it's a deep pot so it's more and the, and the other well no the machavat is more the fried I think the marcheshet is the more boiled or whatever anyway right the machavat is, is hard it's like a fried wafer the marcheshet is more like you know oily or donut or something like that anyway now that I would think you could do I have all the minachas of one genre let's say okay we got 20 minachas marcheshes is brought today we have 20 kohanim each one take one no you can't do that how do you know what you have to do is you take every single korban and divide each individual korban that was brought by the Kohanim. Okay? I mean, I, I, that's got to be such a, whatever, such a, you have all these tiny little pieces. I mean, that seems really bizarre, right? By how mm-hmm. many Kohanim are you talking about? I don't know. The, I don't know exactly what numbers we're talking about. Thin Kohanim. Alright, anyway. Okay. Okay, so again, what that winds up saying, and I really, that just makes it, that's hard to understand conceptually and logistically. I mean, I guess conceptually, Conceptually, you could understand it. You know, maybe from your perspective, you, the Kohanim, you got all these, all these minchas, minachos, you want to like divide them in a more efficient way. But I brought the korban. And from my perspective, you know, that was my korban.
Korban, and I want that to be shared by the Kohen. Maybe there's something symbolically <coughs> significant. So I guess I can understand that, but logistically it's got to be a nightmare. You can't even just combine all of the same genre and divide it at the end of the day. Each Korban has to be divided equally amongst the Kohenim. Yachol Yachlaku, Bikachi Kachim. Maybe this is only Kachi Kachim. You know, Menachos and Zvachim, and Aval Yachlaku Bikachim Kali. Maybe by Shlomim, that has a lower level, and maybe that's more of a sense of ownership. And maybe there, there can be some trade off, you know, and trading that goes on. So the end of all those discussions of dividing the Menachos, it then transitions to talking about a Shlomim, a Toda. So even by a Shlomim, you're not allowed to swap and subdivide. Now, what do we learn at Ish Kachiv? Ish, Ish Cholek, Afilu Balmum, even somebody, a Kohen who has a Balmum and can't do the Avoda, gets a portion into Kachim Kachim, just to actually point out that's actually more of a Mephorish Pasuk, anyway. The ein, but the other thing we learn out is, Ve'en Akatan Cholek Afilu Tam, but it's not divided amongst the minors, even if they are without blemish. Anyway, what you see is, you can't do any swapping within a, you know, between Korbanot. So obviously you have no rights in it, if you can't swap my, my Mincha for your Mincha, you know, for your, you know, and so, you know, then then how can I marry a woman with it? I don't have any sense of ownership over it. Stam Sifra money, and who is the Sifra going? Like, an, you know, a, a, an anonymous Sifra, Reb Yehuda. It's Reb Yehuda. There's no sense of swapping and, you know, trading that can be done with this. So, clearly, you don't have any ownership over it. Shmami, now you see that in the end, even Reb Yehuda would agree, you cannot marry a woman, and even with Kachim Kalim, because in the end, we included even Kachim Kalim in this. Yeah, which is as the Gemara says before what do you mean you have nothing to support Rav's idea that there would that you would have a portion in the Korbanot um, and that you maybe could marry a woman after the period of Shimon, Shimon Tzadik you know it says that the um, that the uh, you know it says in the time of Shimon Tzadik there was a bracha in the Lechem uh, him, and all you had to do was get like a little bit and you'd be satisfied after his time it was not and the bread would not satisfy the Kohanim so and everybody only got a little piece of the Lechem Apanim right it wasn't like Korbanot you could have a lot of Korbanot in any day but Lechem Apanim you know you only have a very small finite amount so it says the more modest Kohanim would just withdraw their hands like why am I going to fight other Kohanim for a slight little bigger piece and it's not even going to be so satisfying so I know well you would think you're just doing it L'Shein Mitzvah but it seems that like no you want to actually you know once a week yeah Anyway, so it says the Tznuim, since they weren't going to be get get the, you know get a big piece and it wasn't going to be satisfying or whatever, they didn't want to fight. They just stood back. Okay, and Vargargarnim and the sort of uh, I don't know ravenous ones Chokim. They would take a part of it. My Chokim. Now, what does that mean? Does it just mean they would divide it? No, it means Chotzim. It means they would grab. Somebody grabbed his portion and his friend's portion. Like like you know. So it wasn't enough to have his portion. He wanted, you know, it was so, they felt that, they, they, you know, it was such a small portion, they were grabbing from other people. And they would call him the sort of, the, the grabber or the thief until the day of his death. What's the Pasuk? That, you know, Chamsin means the same as like a Chamsin, like a thief. 
from the one that sort of trespasses and and robs, you know, and seizes. Excuse me, the one who is uh, oppressed or the one who now what now what does it have to do? Okay, well, right. What does it have to do with our point? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says like this. Rashi says. Um, four lines down in the wide lines near the end of the lines. Rashi says, or we can do the middle, the beginning of that line, fourth line down. El Chokin Derech Eloy, Maniach El Kol Chavero Vinotel Kinegdo. The Mokum, oh, I'm sorry, I, I misread the Gemara. The Gemara says, um, so, I'm sorry, because I read it all as the same proof. I, it, it should have been, for Garganim Chokin. So when it said the ravenous ones divided it, period, that was his proof that you did have a portion, because it assumed what it meant was, if we say that we divide it means we divide it amongst ourselves. So we've, you know, we've, we've elbowed out the more modest ones, we're the ravenous ones, and we'll figure out amongst ourselves how to divide it. So that sounds like we have some rights over it, and we can decide how to trade it off and how to divide it. And that we maybe now, by the way, Tosa says, even within the position that you are not, um, that you are not, you know, um, that, uh, that you're not chokim, you know, A can I get B, you can still divide equally, you can still divide within one korban. So if we have like, you know, if we've divided a mincha between us and you're not so hungry and I would say, would you mind giving me your portion of the mincha, you're entitled to give that to me. Okay, so we can't... That's not really cholkim. It's like within one korban. Right, so it's when you're swapping it for something else. Right. So that's basically what the Gemara thought. The Gemara said, Hagarganim cholkim, the ravenous ones were divided, meaning we're going to take it amongst ourselves and you'll give it to me and I'll give you something else for it and whatever. And therefore it would seem to be like you did have a right to swap for your portion of the Korban? And the answer was, no. My Chokim Chotzim. Chokim does not mean swap it for something else. It means, we, you, you know, you just grab. It would be like at a, at a Kiddush, okay? <laughs> right? 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 Well, yes. And everybody would be grabbing it. As Tosa says, A, there'd be an idea maybe I stole from you, but B, also we're subdividing within one thing. We're not swapping it for something else. And since we're not swapping it for something else, we're just subdividing within one thing this is not a proof that it is then it does not indicate that it's your mamon yeah, yes is this so is this just so, a kasha on um, uh, nimru vagamru y- yes Okay. okay, meaning the point is, so just to summarize what we said, meaning the argument was, does Rabbi Yehuda in the end back down and say, you don't have a portion in Krabanot and you can't marry a woman with it? So the evidence was, was that he did back down because he's the author of the Sifra and he basically says that you can't swap, meaning within one Korban, each individual's Korban, you can subdivide it and maybe do some swapping, you know, some, I guess, giving away with, or, you know, assigning portions, but that's within each individual's Korban but you can't swap any portion in any korban for any other korban so clearly you have no real rights to it no real ownership over it and you can't marry a woman even according to Rabbi Yehuda that was the basic point the answer was wait but we have this brayta that says by the lechem upon him they would swap they would chokim which seems to be they would swap and it seems to be that that would be an idea that you'd have rights and the answer is no they wouldn't swap it for other things they would just grab bigger portions within the same korban and the, but, the, but the idea that you could but no Nobody says at the end of the day you could swap your portion in a korban for something other, for something else. Okay, you could do any real trading with a korban, and therefore even Rebbe Yehuda, nobody in the end says you can marry a woman with your portion in Kachim Kachim, and even we're saying with Kachim Kalim as well. Yeah, yeah, Kalim.
the, uh, the Sefer would have been written before the Mishnah was compiled? Uh, there's a whole question. You know, I mean, that's what, uh, what's his name deals with, Halivni deals with in Midrash and Mishnah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, you know, everything has like late editings. So sometimes it sounds like the Mishnah is quoting a passage from the Midrash Halacha. Sometimes the Midrash Halacha says, you know, um, you know, I forget what the language is, but it quotes a, a line that's a line from the Mishnah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, anyway, they were being done in parallel time. There's always a whole question, like, was, forget when the actual text was edited but the really the more interesting question is which um, approach was, was primary did we start with like looking at Sukin, not knowing the halacha deriving using using the process of Nidrash halacha and then after we did the whole process of derivation we distilled and organized the conclusions as the Mishnah as the halachot and the Mishnayot or did we start with traditions of practice and then go back and look at the Sukin and try to derive and infer that's the more interesting question than the question of exactly when this text was edited because they were like edited over a period of time and in parallel and so on so that question there's a real debate among scholars again I don't know sadly or not sadly the, the most um, the, the, the best answer is both is that like it wasn't that there was a clear sequence like there were traditions there was drashot they were sort of both happening at the same time you yeah. wait Charlie yeah okay, yeah follow this there are lots to share among Mishnayos. Right. And we regularly study them. <laughs> okay. I've never seen anybody study... Uh, okay, well, we can, you, can, you, can, you, can, uh, you can... You can fund one and we'll have it here in the show, yes. <laughs> Excuse me. In the end, saying that it was sort of understood, and maybe the Lechem Apanim, some people would refrain, and then maybe yeah. those that didn't get, and the other people got more, would refrain yeah. something else. And what? take a little more of that. No, 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 no. It's sort of like in a kiddish. Like, I'm not going to go ahead and fight everybody in the kiddish. Forget it. I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll eat at home. And other people are like, you know, trying to get their portion. That's, what, that's the, the scene it's describing. But all it's saying is that the word chokim does not mean I'm swapping my piece of lechem punning for your portion in something else. I'm just grabbing a smaller or a bigger piece, and therefore it's no proof that there's any sense of ownership over the lechem punning. Yes. Like yeah, yeah, but I don't want to go there. Okay, that's interesting part. Your chomet and chomet. I didn't think about that. Okay. Right, interesting. Okay, well, you're talking about also vinegar. Basically, Let's move on. Right, exactly. Moving on. Well, we also have the wedding hall, so here's the kiddish. Oh, After, here, here, here's the smorg. <laughs> we got the smorg in the wedding hall. Okay, now, moving on. Meiser Shaney, God. Meiser Shaney. Okay, all right. Anyway, all right. Meiser Shaney, Bain Bishogin, Bain Bimezi, Lo Kideshi, Rebbe Mayer. Meiser Shaney doesn't work intentionally or knowingly or unknowingly. Rebbe Yudah Omer, Shogig, Lo Kideish, Mezi Kideish. Unintentionally, no. Intentionally, yes. So, although Rebbe Yudah seems a little more interesting, what's the difference between Shogig and Mezi? We're going to really focus on Rebbe, on Rebbe Mayer, at least initially. Where does Rebbe Mayer get this idea that you can't use Meiser Shani money, meaning by Korbanos, we spoke about this idea of Mishochan Gavoa Kazachu. Where does Rebbe Meir get this idea that you can't use Meiser Shani money, that that's not yours, you're going to bring it up to Yerushalayim, and not money, even the fruit. You're going to bring it up to Yerushalayim, eat it in Yerushalayim. Why should it not be considered yours? So, Amar Ravachadrei, the Rav Mishmei, the Gemara. So, he says the name of Rav in the name of the Gemara, which is interesting. The name of, like, the traditions that were accepted in the base Madras. The whole Maser Arts, Mizer Arts, Mikriya Ace, Lahashem, who? All the Maser goes to God. And it's talking about Maser Shani. Kodesh Lahashem. Holy to God. So, the combination of those two words, holy to God, 
um, means um, means that it is like not yours. It's another way of saying shulchan gavoa. You are eating it, but you are eating something that is holy to God, that is not yours. You're eating God's uh, God's produce. Okay. Yeah, I knew I knew that was coming. Okay, Lashem who? Okay, Lashem who? The low lekadish bo isha. It's God's. It belongs to God. So and not for you to marry a woman. It's not your mammon. So the Mar says one minute. Hashem. You should take the truma of God. The tanan. So it's there. It's called God's. The tanan hamikadesh betruma mikudeshes. If a man marries a woman with a kohen with his with his truma, she is married. That is considered his property. Mar says no. That is trumat Hashem. It's God's truma because God told you to take it. But it's not. It's not truma given. To God, it's given to the going. Okay, so it still is yours. So the Hashem there means it's commanded by God, but not that it belongs to God. Okay, give it to God. And if you marry a woman with any truma, Chal is considered a type of truma. She's married. So the Kodesh. Yes, that says it's God's, but it doesn't say holy to God. If it's holy and belongs to God. Then it's completely not yours, completely off limits. Kodesh and Lashem. Now, by the way, Rashi points out that the mission never says but the previous mission spoke about the guy who married the five women with the figs of Shemitah and it said that they were married. So that's implicit, implicitly saying that. So the Gemara says, no, that's Kodesh. So, I don't know. We just want to go through everything. Back to Truma. Kodesh Yisrael Lahashem. Yisrael is holy to God. So, you know, Yisrael is like Truma. They are the first of the offering of God's crop. So, you know, sort of the analogy of, uh, you know, like the first of, God, of the crop, the first of the nations. Anyway, where's the truma? So we're being um, analogized there to truma, and we're called Kodesh Lahashem. Kodesh So that's not talking about real truma, that's talking about the, the Jewish people. So the Gemara says, one minute, but it's using a metaphor. The love me me Fine, it's using a metaphor, but the metaphor is Truma. And the metaphor is Kodesh Lashem. So implicitly it's saying that Truma is Kodesh Lashem. So the says, Tagama Ravin Sava, Kamejarav, Amrakrahu, Yeah, You know, you're right. By Truma, you do have a Pasuk that says Kodesh Lashem, but it also says, the Pasuk also says, Who? What's the Pasuk? Uh, oh, Masar Lashem, Who? Okay? So, um, I'm sorry, no, no, not, actually, not by Truma. It's not enough that by Master Shani it says Kodesh Hashem. Kodesh Hashem would not totally make it off limits, but it also says who. It says Hashem who, which means it's, it remains God's. In no way does it move away from that state of being God's. Okay? So by Master Shani you have Kodesh Hashem who, and the combination of all those three means that it's totally not yours, according to Rebbe Mayer. So this is Rebbe Mayer's position. So we've already established the Kachim Kachim and Kachim Kalim, even according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, who says Kachim Kalim Mamadayim, when the time comes to eat the meat of Kachim Kachim and Kachim Kalim, Mishuch and Gavoah, because 
Zachu. It's not your meat. You're eating off of God's table. And now we're saying that Meiser Shani, according to Rebbe Meir, is also what the Gemara calls Mamun Gavoahu. Okay, not Mishuchan Gavoah Kazachu. It uses a different phrase. Mamun Gavoahu. And therefore, completely not yours. You're eating God's Maser. And therefore, you, can, not, you cannot use it to do Kiddushin with. So yeah. I'm trying to understand is if I tried, is it Me'ila or is it just not effective? It's just well, we're going to get to that very soon by 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 Kudshim. But here, so there's no meila by Meister Shani. But what you're asking is exactly getting to the final part of the Mishnah. Okay, now we have not identified why, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it works by um, it works by Shogeg and not by Mazid. And wait, wait, but it works by Mazid and not by Shogeg, right? So, yeah, where's my name? Not be sure. I'll just tell you the answer. We're going to read it in the Gemara, but let me just because the Gemara is going to sort of shift a little and then circle back. So the basic point is like this: Rabbi Yehuda fundamentally disagrees. He says Master Shani is not Mamon Gavoa; it's yours. So if it's yours. Why should you not? Why should it matter? Shogi Gomezid. So the simple answer is, it's not your Shogi Gomezid. It's the woman's Shogi Gomezid. If you say to the woman, "Harei Mikudeshet Lee with this apple," and she thinks it's a normal apple, and it turns out it's a Meiser Shani apple, what's she going to do if she wants to eat the apple? She's going to eat her now. She, no, what will she if it's a Meiser Shani apple? What does she have to oh, do with it? She has to bring it to Yerushalayim. So she says, "Excuse me, I never agreed for an apple that I would have to bring up to Yerushalayim. What good does that do me?" So she was basically duped. She thought it was like a di- very different type of an apple than it was. It was one that does absolutely no good here. So therefore, if she is unwitting and doesn't realize it's Master Shani, ain't a Mikudeshes, because she never want, agreed to that type of an apple. If she knows it's Master Shani, and she knows she'll have to bring it, okay, but that's the Yom know that we make. If she knows she has to bring it to Yerushalayim, then she is Mikudeshes. That was Rebbe Yehuda's position. Let's take a look now. Okay? And then we're going to get into the similar issue by Kodesh. Okay? By hektesh, if it's intentional, it works. If you know what you're doing, it works. If not, it doesn't. That's what Rabbi says. Rabbi Yehuda says, "Shogi kidesh, mezi lokidesh." The reverse. So we're going to bracket the last Rabbi Yehuda. We're going to focus on the fact that by Maser Shani, Rabbi Yehuda says it works b'shogeg, it works b'mezid, and by hektesh, Rabbi Meir says it works by mezid. What is mezid better than shogeg in those two cases? So let's take a look. I'm a Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov said, Shmas mina to Rabbi Yochanan tarti. I heard from Rabbi Yochanan two things. She just meisered Rabbi Yehuda. He explained why by master, according to Rabbi Yehuda, shogeg doesn't work. And she got hektish to Rabbi Meir. And why by hektish, by Rabbi Meir, shogeg doesn't work. And Maisie does. Shneim, in both of those cases, we say, Aini shemiskadeshes behem. Okay, a woman is not married. Now, Chada, in one of those cases, the reason it doesn't work for shogeg is lefishen isha rotsa. The woman would not have agreed to it had she known. Bechada, in one of those cases, neither of them would have agreed to it had they known. Now, by the way, Michael, in terms of your question of Umdana, Rashi says the Nafkamina is, if we know who we're presuming to have the problem with, we can always then ask that person and determine, oh, you didn't mind, it's okay. So do we assume that one of them didn't want to or neither of them wanted to? So let's explain it. Okay. Anyway. Right. I don't know which one of those, when it's Peshogig, doesn't work, it's because one of them wouldn't have wanted it and which one neither of them would have wanted it. So we'll just read one answer now and we'll continue tomorrow. I'm Rabbi Yumya. Next, Yanan. Five. Good. That's, not, that's a nice little puzzle. Let's figure that out ourselves. Maser, by Maser, Ilo Nichola. She doesn't want Maser Shani. Had she known, she would not have said yes. 
Okay? And that's why it doesn't work if it's unaware. Mishum Kirchadorchach, you have to schlep it up to Yushalayim. But he, you, Nichlei, why, why would he have a problem? I know it's my, so she's willing to take my Meister Shani fruit? All the better way. All the better. The from Now I don't have to bring it to Yushalayim. So if they're both ignorant, from he, he has no problem using Meister Shani fruit, but she would be the one who wouldn't be happy with it had she known, and that's why it doesn't work. But if it's Hektesh, neither of them would have wanted Hektesh had they realized it was Hektesh. Why not? No, Nikolu. Because when you give Hektesh and it's not yours to give, you're being over on the Yisra you're transgressing. You're being motzi hektish l'chulin. So neither of them would have wanted to even party to this to this forbidden transaction. So shogig doesn't so shogig doesn't work by meiser sheni according to Reb Yehuda because even though meiser sheni is your money, we presume she would not have wanted to take it had she known. And hektish doesn't work according to Rebbe Meir because if it's b'shogig, because we presume neither of them would have wanted to do it because neither of them would have wanted to have been party to an act of meila. Okay, well. Continue with this tomorrow to see other ways of understanding why Shogeg would not work in the case of Meister Shani in the not, case of Hector. Not Chilu is less yeah. Well, right. Okay, we have to get out of here because uh, Seth is starting a class starting exactly now. So, what would be, <laughs> that last uh, opinion, what would be the problem with using Meister Shani in your to? What? Um, it might not be a problem. 